$1.87. That's, that's all Della had to her name, and it was Christmas Eve, and for a long time now, she had had this, this hope and this desire that she could get her husband, Jim, something really special for Christmas, something that would show him her honor of him and express just her deep love for him. But $1.87, that's all she had. And so Della did what Della could only do in that moment. She flopped down on the bed and she just began to sob. Sob in hopelessness and the hopelessness of what she felt in her situation. She so desperately wanted to give Jim something. She stayed in that state for some time before, you know, all of a sudden she just kind of had this kind of this idea. Something kind of stirred within her. So she got out of her bed and she looked in the mirror and she took out the pin from her hair and she let her long, thick, beautiful hair just flow all the way down past her waist. You see, her hair was her most precious possession. Her and Jim, they were a young couple. They didn't really have much. They were pretty poor. They were just trying to make ends meet. But her hair was the best thing she had. It was the most precious thing that she had. And so she had an idea. And in her idea was that she would just cut off all her hair, sell her hair, and get Jim that gift. And so she put her hair back up, she put the pin back in, and she took off into the street, and she went down to the place where they buy hair. And so she went in there, and, and they cut off her hair all the way off. She lost all of her hair, but she got her money. But unfortunately, she looked more like a schoolboy than a beautiful young lady. But that didn't deter Della. She went out with her money, and she went out in the street. She went all over the place around town to find that perfect gift for Jim. So she came into this shop, and she looked around, and she saw that perfect gift. That perfect gift was a gold chain, and it was a gold chain that would go to a pocket watch. You see, Jim didn't have anything either, but he had one thing that was a special possession to him, and it was just a really beautiful uh, pocket watch that he had. And it wasn't just his. It used to be his father before that, and it was his father's father before that. And he's never had a gold chain for his pocket watch. And so he, she thought this would be perfect for him. This would be a, a wonderful little chain by which he could have it and he could hook it onto him and he could have that, you can tell time wherever he went and be able to see his watch wherever he would go. And so she was excited. So she went home, she wrapped it up and she got it ready for him. And Jim came home from work at the same time every single day. And so she waited for him in the front parlor and as a the, the doorknob began to kind of rustle. She began to kind of get a little bit tense, a little bit worried. And she began to think, well, what, what, if, what if he hated my hair? What if he thought I was ugly? And so Jim comes in, opens the door, walks in, sees Della, and like all the blood just kind of comes out of him. And he's just kind of like this pale look and just this kind of a weird, strange look. It wasn't so much of anger or anything like that. It was just kind of a, a strange look. And and, you know, Della's starting to feel a little insecure, and so she kind of wants to, you know, deal with it. And so she says, Jim, Jim, I know I, I cut my hair, but I cut my hair so I can get you a Christmas gift, Jim. Don't worry, Jim, my, my, my hair will, will come back. It grows back really fast. I may not, you may be able to count all the hairs on my head, but you cannot count all the ways that I love you, Jim. So Jim goes, you cut off all your hair. And she goes, I did, Jim, I did, but but it'll grow back fast, Jim. I did it for you. I, 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 I got a gift for you, Jim. So Jim finally just kind of comes to, and, and so Jim, you know, looks at his wife, and, 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 and he says to her, he says, Della, the reason why I kind of looked at you this way 
um, was because I got you this gift as well. And, and so he gave, gives Della this, this gift, and, and she unwraps this gift, and, and in this are these beautiful, ornate, expensive combs. These combs were things that, these were things that Della had so desperately wanted. It was, her and Jim would go walk through the town, and they would come by this window, and she would see it, and she'd always long to have these combs for these, for her beautiful long hair. And so when she sees these combs, she gets really excited at first. She looks at it, and she goes, That's some, oh, it's the combs. And then the shock comes to her, and then she realized that she had cut off all her hair. And she looked at, at Jim, and she said, Jim, uh, it will grow back fast, Jim. It will grow back fast, Jim. And Jim goes, you know, it's okay. There's, there's an, you could never cut your hair. There's no way you could ever cut your hair in any way that would ever diminish my love for you. And so Della goes, well, Jim, here, here's the gift that I, I gave you. And so she gives the gift, and, and he begins to unwrap it, and he looks at it, and he sits down, and he smiles lovingly and dearingly at his wife. He says, Della, these gifts are so beautiful. These are probably too good for us to have at this moment, maybe another time. Because you see, Della, I sold my watch to buy these combs for you. That story was first told over 100 years ago by the great writer O. Henry. And uh, he told a lot better than I did. But in the story, or at the end of the story, he gives a moral to this story. This story is called The Gift of of the Magi. And at the end of his, his work there, this is what he wrote. He said, the Magi. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the newborn Christ child. They were the first to give Christmas gifts. Now, being wise, their gifts were doubtless wise ones. And here I have told you the story of two children who were not wise. Each sold the most valuable thing he owned in order to buy a gift for the other. But let me speak a last word to the wise of these days. Of all who give gifts, these two were the most wise. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are the most wise. Everywhere they are the wise ones. They are the Magi. The point O. Henry was making was that the beautiful, wise gift was the gift of love. The gift of love expressed in sacrifice. And as these two sacrificed what was most precious to them, by which they lost both of them, they both found what was the most precious thing, which was their relationship with each other. To be with each other. The wisest gift that we can have is the gift of beautiful and wonderful relationships. And this is the reality of the love and the, and the desire of the relationship that God desires for us to have as expressed in the reality of the birth of Jesus Christ. Paul, I think, said it most so magnificently. He said, though he, Christ, Though he was rich, he became poor, so that in our poverty, we may become rich. Not rich in stuff, but the wise kind of richness. 
The, the magi kind of richness, which is the richness of relationships. The richness of the relationship with God and, and the richness of the relationship with one another. You know, the, the birth of Christ really is the gift to us. Now think about it for a second here. When Jesus, before Jesus was born, and even when he was born, the Jews had a really high regard for God, which is good. They saw God as incredibly holy. He's righteous. He is sovereign. He is holy other, right? In fact, they wouldn't even speak the name of God. They would not say the word Yahweh. Yahweh is so big and so grand and so huge, we don't even speak his name out of reverence and, and sovereignty to him. So to think about this idea of God, God is so sovereign and so huge and so amazing, which he is, that we can't even speak his name. And he decides, the sovereign, all-powerful being by which we can't speak his name, is born and becomes a child. So that he is not just out there, so big, so other, but that he's with us. He is the grand magi who gives the greatest and most wise gift, which is the gift that we all truly need, which is the gift of a relationship with God himself. And God becomes one of us in order to have that relationship with him forever. And so we're going to look this morning in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 18 if you want to Open up your scriptures there, and we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. My hope is, is that over the next couple of weeks that you would just kind of camp on that sentence there. Now, we kind of used to see the word Jesus as his name and Messiah. Well, that's some kind of title or whatnot. But my hope is, is just to kind of think of that this is the way that the saving king was born. Jesus, Yahweh saves, God saves, and Messiah means anointed or means kind of a, this idea of a king. So the saving king, this is how a saving king was born. Very different than what we think of, of saving kings and how are they to be born. But his mother, Jesus the Messiah, his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that we kind of see throughout all of Jesus' life, that Jesus is kind of like a, 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 a billiard ball. It's like when you set the billiards and you take the white ball and you hit it, it sets it. He's like the one who sets in motion. He cracks all the balls and the balls just go everywhere. Even before Jesus comes on the scene, you see God beginning to move all these different people. And let me tell you, Jesus was never a neutral person. You see throughout his whole life that there were those who wanted to throw him off the cliff. There were those who, who wanted to, uh, there were those who were scared of him, wanted him to go away. And there were those who, you know, sat down and just worshiped him. But he was never a neutral person. Even in his birth, Jesus was not neutral. He is breaking paradigms, breaking strongholds. He is disrupting things like crazy. And we see this here, that God 
takes a woman who has never been with a man and through the power of the Holy Spirit makes her pregnant. Back in those days in a big high shame culture, if you are not married and, um, and you have been with another person, that's adultery, that is a sin. And to be pregnant, what shame and shame to the family, shame to the community, shame. So you see, even at the beginning, God is like ruffling things here. He comes to this virgin named Mary, and she gives birth. And he's in, she's engaged. So she's already tethered to another guy. Set the ball in motion. The other guy is a guy named Joseph. In verse 19, he goes on, and he says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. All right? So... You can imagine if you're engaged to somebody and they're pregnant, all right? That that is a big deal. And so there's all sorts of shame. There's also sense of maybe insecurity, maybe even some anger or whatever that we all may feel. But here we see Joseph was a righteous man, didn't want to disgrace her publicly. Don't really know exactly what. I'd be love to sit down with Joseph and go, okay, my dude, all right, tell me. What were you really thinking when news came out that you found that your bride-to-be had been with somebody else and now she's pregnant? You know? Hindsight 2020, we all looked at, but I wonder what it was like at that moment in that time. But he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Well, in verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, don't be afraid. Okay, so if somebody says, says to you, don't be afraid, what, what's probably the feeling that you're feeling? Fear, right? And what is he afraid of? He's afraid of who knows exactly what. could be multiple things. It could be afraid that other people wouldn't think that he's as righteous. It may be about, you know, maybe some of the insecurities in his own life. He may be afraid of what it would happen to Mary and, the, the, you know, it's... This was a, a small town. They, they, they were in Nazareth. And so, you know, if any of you guys been in a small town, right? Nothing goes quietly, right? So there's probably fear. What are everybody going to say? You know, now you're going to have this stigma and everybody's going to be looking at you. They're going to see you and they're going to be looking at you. And all of these things. But the angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid. Take her as your wife. She, because she... What's, you know, the one that's born in her is born from the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things about, you know, we talk about in this passage, we'll kind of get to it a little bit later as Matthew kind of begins to kind of put together and think about how this fulfills um, the prophet Isaiah who said that, you know, that uh, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And that is true. The beautiful thing about the birth of Jesus Christ is that God is with us. But here's the thing. He may be with us, but we only unwrap and use the gift of him being with us when we are with him, all right? We tend to think differently with that. In fact, 
really the, the, the invitation that God is calling us into that leads to richness, the wise gift of a relationship with God, is that we would, you know, live with him. Oftentimes what we do is when we think about Christ is we think about he's my buddy. He comes hang out, he comes with me wherever I go. And in that, as he's with me, I tell him what to do for me. But that's not what we see in Scripture. Jesus came into this world in order to be with us because really we find our wholeness when we are actually with him. In fact, Jesus later on during his ministry, he said these very powerful words that's recorded in Luke 9, 23, which says, then he, Jesus, said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and what? follow me, he says. And one of the things about when we follow Jesus, you know, being with him and and following him also means that we are willing to, to, you know, take on the world's disdain. This is point right here. Go ahead, next point. Being with him means being willing to take on the world's disdain. What what the, what the angel was saying to Joseph, Joseph, do not be afraid. For the one who is with her has been, you know, born of the Spirit. But here's the deal, Joseph, you are going to take on the disdain of this world. People will look at you. You know, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be with me, you got to be willing to take on the world's disdain. And that's hard. That's why sometimes we don't want people to know that we're Christians, and sometimes we don't really want people to know that we really like Jesus, and because why? We don't want to experience the disdain of this world. But when we do that, we are short-circuiting circuiting our, our beautiful gift of having the intimacy in a relationship with a God who loves us. I love the story that O. Henry wrote. Here's his wife, cut off all her hair. He didn't care, he loved her anyways. My question is, is that, you know, do we love Jesus enough that we are willing to say, yeah, of course I love Jesus. Yeah, I think he's pretty great. I think anybody who would die for me, I think is pretty great. Even if it means the disdain of this world that we have. I think love shows we are willing to step into those things when we really love someone. And guess what? Jesus Christ did the same thing. He stepped into our junk for us. He took on all that brutality and, and shame and words and all those things in order to love us, in order to accept us in our junk and to love us for eternity what a beautiful thing that is. A beautiful thing of a relationship is, is to be in that, that mutuality of relationship by which, you know what? If you have my back, you love me even in my own mess, then I can be disdained by other people if they don't really like me because I like you. Now, he wasn't telling Joseph like to go out and tell everybody, like, hey, you know what? Because sometimes as Christians, we do that. We kind of like, yeah, of course I like Jesus. What about it? That's not, that's not what it means. It just means in the comfort of, of the conviction and the beauty of, of, a, of a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just like him. I'm sorry you don't. I'm sorry this may offend you, but 
I, I'm, I'm not going to change in the way that I, th- I think he's great. He knows who I am. He died for me. He came into this world so I can have a relationship with him forever. There's nobody on this planet who's done that for me. That's pretty awesome. But sometimes it means that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, that I've seen in my life and I've also seen through the lives of others through human history. That there are times when we are disdained when we follow Jesus. But guess what? Jesus Christ always has the last word. How many of you, when you hear the word Joseph or you hear the word Mary, you think, whore? Any of you ever think that? No, like, in fact, you're like, whoa, whoa, can you say that about Mary? How things have changed, right? In that community, do you think they were kind of like, whoa? Mary's a floozy, right? Now we revere her as the mother of the Savior of the world. When we think of Joseph, do we think of like, oh, Joseph, oh, you know what? I thought he was a righteous guy, but I guess not. We don't think that. Joseph laid his ego, laid who he was and all whatever people may have thought about him at the feet of the Lord. He said, come what may, I'm going to live for you. I know who I am in my relationship with you. I know who you are, and that's good enough for me. And then walk that out. So to be with Jesus, that intimacy of that relationship, that really gives that nourishment, which shows us the power of that gift of that relationship, means being able to willing to walk that out no matter what because we just like him, we love him. So he goes on and he says this, uh, Matthew goes on and he writes this in verse 21. And so he says, the angel says, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Yeshua, which means God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. So verse 22 He says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so in verse 24 and 25, it goes on and it says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships relations with her until her son was born and joseph named him jesus named him the name that the angel the lord said you know back in those days in the ancient world one of the great things that you were you know you did as being kind of the 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 patriarch was you were the one who got to name your first child you got to name your children and so these names were significant to you. It was significant to your family. People were wondering, what are they going to name their child? And what is he going to name it? And, and the meaning behind that and all of these things. But Joseph doesn't get to name his firstborn child. God does. And the other thing about when we think about our relationship uh, with God, that we also have to kind of understand that that in order to have a, 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 just a, a wonderful, close relationship with him, that we have to be willing to give up what we want in order to be with God. That we have to be willing to give up the things that we desire. Now, I know that in our culture, that's really hard to do. We live in a culture that really magnifies we the king. I'm the king. I don't give up my anything for anybody. 
But Jesus is called the Christ, which means king. He's also called Lord. He's not called buddy boy. He's not called, you know, a little consultant. He's not called little magician guy who comes and does all the things that we want him to do. He's called Christ and Lord. And what that means for us is for us to be willing to give up, you know, the things of this world and, and give it to him. Now you say, what kind of relationship is that? Well, you, had, you know, this last week I was kind of in an 80s movie mood. How many of you guys ever watched The Karate Kid, Right? You remember the Karate Kid, you know, Ralph Macchio, man, you know, Macho Macchio, right? And uh, he comes across this relationship. He gets, he gets in a fight and all that, and he gets beat up. And then he meets this guy who kind of is, he, he looks over the, the apartment complex of where they live, and his name is Mr. Miyagi, right? And Mr. Miyagi is like a karate guru, right? He's just, so he knows all these things. And so Mr. Miyagi takes... Um, Daniel under his, his wing. And if y'all remember the story, right? He, he brings Daniel over to his house. And what does, he, what does he tell Daniel to do? Wash his car, you know, paint his fence. And then what does Daniel do through that whole time? He gets mad and he gets angry. And he's like, this guy is selfish. That's kind of what we think about God sometimes. Like when God wants you know, us to lay things at his side, I don't want to do that. He's selfish, He's just going to use me. He's just going to make my life miserable. And then there was this moment, right, when Daniel, it just like, it clicked with him, you know, that this whole time, Mr. Miyagi was doing things to help him to grow and to become a really good karate fighter. Why? It's kind of interesting. You look at the story of these two guys, as they were spending time together, they became really close to each other like a father-son relationship as they kind of went through this. And so Daniel began to realize that Mr. Miyagi was actually cares about him. It's not trying to use him. That's the same thing with our God. God desires for us to lay everything at his hands because he desires who is wise to take those things and to make us stronger, to make us wiser, to help us to prioritize and to see the things that are, that are more important, that we don't need all of these things, we just need a relationship with Him. And He uses that to help us to grow, and uses that to, to grow our relationship with Him, right? And our relationship with one another. And so, as you think about this Christmas season, God is with us. It's the wisest gift that you can have. I don't know where everybody in this room is or where they're at in their relationship with God. With God. Some of you, maybe this is like your first time somebody made you, kicked you screaming and you're here and, and, or you're here because you're seeking the Lord. And maybe you've never really accepted the gift of the relationship that God has given you through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is a gift by which God came into this world not to be our buddies, but to come into this world to sacrifice his life so that we can be with him forever, not just to hang out with us. If God was just this all-sovereign God and he's all-powerful, all-righteous, he wouldn't become a, a man. He would just tell us, these are the laws, 
do them, don't do them, you don't do them, I will judge you because I am righteous and you're not. And he's not a God who's just like, hey, you know what, it's all lovey-dovey, it's no big deal. In our culture, that's a kind of a big thing, all lovey-dovey. And everybody's all lovey-dovey until somebody gets punched in the face, right? So we struggle over justice and, and love. And if, if God's a good God, why doesn't he do that? But then if God does that, then that mean, why doesn't he give him a break? More like all over the place. But God takes that, you know, that conflict and he brings them together. The sovereign, holy, righteous God comes into our world and gives up his life as a sacrifice so that through that sacrifice, he sacrifices his son rather than us so we can be with him forever. It's not just about eternal life. It's about eternal relationship with him forever. That's the gift. If you just came off the streets and this is the first time you ever heard about it, man, my, every single person in this room who follows Christ would say to you, take that gift, man. It's not a better gift. Billion dollars, you maybe think it, it's not a better gift. If that was true, then a bunch of billionaires would be the happiest people in the world. And we see billionaires go out at war against each other. If it was all about beauty, well, beauty fades. All about these things, but there is one who will love you no matter what. And it is a gift of all gifts. I encourage you to, to receive it and unwrap it. For some of us in this room, we've, we've received the gift. We've unwrapped the gift. But the gift, yeah, it's over there. It's kind of on the shelf. It's over it's in, back in the, the attic. It's somewhere not to be found as we just continue to try to find the, the, you know, the gifts of this world. We want more power. We want more pleasures. We want more, more prestige. We want more things. And we just think that if we can just get them, our life is going to be better. And we just kind of go through the, you know, the rat race. And, and we get on that wheel and we spin, 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 forgetting that Jesus Christ came into this world to get us off the wheel. So we can just sit and rest and enjoy the relationship that we have with him forever. We're going to take a time of response here and just take this time. My hope is, is that we are not neutral. Jesus Christ was not neutral. My hope is that we wouldn't be neutral, that we would engage in that relationship, wherever you may be at in that relationship. Maybe it's, God, I want to have that relationship with you. You know, maybe we've never had that relationship before. We're going to have people over here on the sides to be able to pray for you and kind of walk you through some of those things. Some of you, um, that gift has just been sitting somewhere. It's time to re-engage in that gift. It's not a gift that's to be used every once in a while whenever you need it. It's a gift that is to be used all the time. God is with you everywhere you go. In fact, Psalm 1611 says this, you, God, you will show me the way of life. That's wisdom. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The joy is in the presence of the Lord. The pleasures is of living with God all the time, forevermore. Engage in that relationship with him. It can be by also coming in and praying, or it can be praying um, by yourself or with others. 
It also can be done through just talking to God prayerfully as you take the elements of communion. Just remember the gift that God has given you, which is himself becoming man, sacrificing his life in order to bring you into a relationship with him. And every time we do that, we should remember that and remember that our God desires so much for us to have that relationship with him. And the wisest gift by given to us by the Magi is the gift of that relationship himself. We also have our offerings. And one of the things about our offerings, you say, well, why, what in the world does offering ever have to do with any of these things? Well, you know, that young lady, she offered her hair to her husband. And that young man offered his most prized possession to his wife. Offering is simply just saying, I love you to our Lord. This is a gift by which to give to you, to use it for your kingdom work. So Father, wherever each one of us may be at this moment, I pray that your spirit would just speak into our hearts. You are the living God. I thank you as the wise God that you are, that you give us the wisest gift, which is a gift of you. God, we confess that this whole world constantly in its foolishness wants us to believe that the the gifts are the gifts of the stuff of this world. Those things are where moth destroy, rust destroy, they fade, but you and our relationship with you will never fade for all eternity. So Father, in this moment, I pray that each one of us would just engage in this time with you. Just sit with you. Pray with others with you. Take communion uh, to remember what you have done for us so we can be with you. To give gifts in order to express to you how much we love you. It's in your son's name I pray, amen.